chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians. And as I said last week, uh, these verses are each so precious and so powerful that we're going to spend one week on each one. They're really uh, amazing verses. They, each verse, it seems, takes us a step deeper into our understanding of what it means to be a Christian, what it means to live in Christ in this world. Today we're in verse 16. So 2 Corinthians 4, 16. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Let me read that again. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. So let's begin with the beginning. Let's look at this first sentence, so we do not lose heart. Paul's been talking about his afflictions, all the horrendous things that happened to him. And he summarized them in some way in verse 8, 8 to 11, earlier in this chapter. He said that they were afflicted in every way, perplexed, persecuted, struck down, always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus and constantly delivered over to death for Jesus' sake. So in light of that, what keeps Paul afloat? What keeps him going? What keeps him from losing heart? What keeps him from abandoning his ministry? Especially when even the churches that he's planted end up often, you know, giving him grief and turning against him. Well, he tells us, we do not lose heart because there is a power inside that is greater than the powers pulling him down. And the same thing is true for us. If we are in Christ there is one who is hanging on to us whose power to hang on to us is greater than our power to hang on to him. And therefore, and greater than any power that might try to pull us away from him and snatch us from his hands. Jesus said, I give eternal life to them. And they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. That means that for us, no one is able to snatch us away from the hands of our Father. He will never leave us. He will never let us go. He will never forsake us. The one who is within us is greater than all the burdens, all the stresses, all the pressures, all the heartbreaks of life. 
The divine power at work within us is the reason we do not lose heart. If God was not at work within us, of course, we would have been washed away long ago by the riptide of life's difficulties. The very reason we are clinging to God is because God is clinging to us. Listen to how Paul describes this in Colossians 1, 11 and 12. He, here he's talking about the manifestation of the power of God. Usually, a lot of times believers, they think, how is God's power manifested? Well, in great spectacular miracles, right? Well, he says, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy giving thanks to the Father. So how do we see the power of God at work in our lives? Just helping us endure with joy, with gratitude, with patience. Paul has faced many foes and many dangers, but he doesn't shrink back. For God has not given us, as he says, a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and self-control, 2 Timothy 1.7. That's why Paul didn't lose heart. That's why we don't lose heart. And now the rest of the verse. Paul's been talking in the verses before this about how we are dying and yet coming to life at the same time. In verse 10, always caring about in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. Verse 11, always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So he's been talking about dying and coming to life, how that's a part of our lives. But now in verse 16 here, he explains this dying and coming to life in a little bit more detail. He tells us in what way we are dying. We are dying, he says, outwardly. We are dying in the outer man. We are dying in our mortal bodies. And the way we are coming to life is inwardly in our souls. You see, Christians have been born twice. Like everyone else, we were born outwardly from our mothers, but then we were born again. But this second birth was not outward. It was an inward birth. And this inward life that God has created within his people is very different than the outward life which we'd had since we were in our mother's wombs. And one of the big differences between our, inner, our outer life and our inner life is that our outer self is wasting away. But our inner self is being renewed day by day. Now let's take each of those and think about them a little bit. First, our outer self is wasting away. Now, we may not want to hear this, 
Certainly our whole society is in rebellion against it. But no matter how we resist it, it is true. Our outer man is decaying. We live in cursed bodies in a cursed world, subject to sickness, injury, breakdown, wearing out with use, aging, loss of eyesight, loss of strength, loss of teeth and other things. They are and always will be, and increasingly so as we age, a part of our earthly existence. We are in the process of dying. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned, we have been dying in fulfillment of God's warning in Genesis 2.17. Surely the day that you eat of it, you will die. And the older we get, generally at least, the more we deteriorate, the more we break down. Now, why is this? Why is this physical universe deteriorating? Is it because the very nature of things is such that anything physical deteriorates? No, that's not the truth. It deteriorates because God imposed deterioration upon it in the curse. Things weren't deteriorating before Adam and Eve sinned. And things will not deteriorate in the new heavens and the new earth. In our resurrection bodies, we will not age, we will not break down. Now why would God allow those whom he loves to decay, to be subject to this deterioration it's because he is preparing us for a better home as our earthly tent wears out which is what the scriptures refer to our bodies our earthly tent wears out God is preparing our inner man for a change of address we are moving to a new home a new earth Outward decay is designed to turn our hearts away from this world and toward our next home. As we age, we become less and less equipped to deal with life here on this earth and more and more equipped for life in the new heavens and the new earth. As Moses said in Psalm 90, As for the days of our life, they contain 70 years, or if due to strength, 80 years. Yet their pride is labor and sorrow, for soon it is gone, and we fly away. And as Jesus said in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Now the people of this world have only one life to live for. And that's why they're in a panic. Because that life is fading right before their very eyes. They're doing everything that they do in their 
in, in their attempt to try to delay, make the most of before it fades through their fingers, like trying to hold sand. Billions of dollars are spent trying to delay or undo the aging process. Scientists are searching desperately for a way to arrest the process and give man the ability to live either forever or much, much longer than we do. But as believers, we don't need to put our identity in the outward self. We don't need to mourn and moan as our bodies age. When we look in the mirror and see changes occurring, we don't need to get depressed over sagging skin, over gray hair, over slower steps, over aches and pains, over crookedness where once things were straight and true. Our outer self is wasting away. But God's power is made perfect in our weakness. That's the theme of this letter. And this passage fits in very nicely with it. Because in the context of our wasting away, that in our present experience, we don't just wait for the future and hope in the future. But even now we know that in our wasting away, God's power is at work within us, sustaining us and allowing us to be his vessels of usefulness in the world. Therefore, Paul says late in the book, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities, and we could add, aging. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. You see, we don't have to be fixated on our outward appearance like the Pharisees that Jesus condemned in Matthew 23. When he said, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, For you clean the outside of the cup and plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, then the outside will be clean as well. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. But you see, our focus is on what God is doing inside, where Christ's life flows into us. 1 Peter 3, verse 3 and 4. Peter encourages the women, but the principle applies to all of us. Do not let your adorning be external. The braiding of hair and the putting out of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which in God's sight is very precious. Now I know a part of us 
would like to thrive in both the outward and the inward. Just like a young person who's growing up and gets to that age where he's transitioning between being a child and being adult, you know, maybe 15 to 25-ish. He wants to maintain all the advantages of being a child and yet receive all the advantages of being an adult and not have all the disadvantages of being a child or the disadvantages of being an adult. But it doesn't work that way, does it? You are... You are, your childhood is fading away and your adulthood is getting stronger and stronger and you are in transition and that's where we are. We can't have the best of both. We are fading away and that's for our good. We still need to be good stewards of the bodies that God has given us but the fact is outwardly we're wasting away. And that's okay because this is not where our identity is. We are not who we are outwardly. We need to accept our weakness and our increasing weakness. And remember that God's strength is increased even as our weakness increases. We're only going to... This is really important. We're only going to be able to bear an effective witness in this world if we are different than the world. All they have is this life. Their only home is this world. But this world is not our home. This life ultimately is not our life. Our life is in Christ. Our home is in heaven. People around us who see us and watch our facial expressions and hear the words that come out of our mouths and see the way that we use our time and the way that we use our money, they can tell what's important to us. And if they see that the outer life is really what's important to us, then they think we're just like everybody else and that we have nothing to say that they need to hear. But... When they see that we're not all about the outward, because there's something much more important to us, then they wonder what it is that we have that they are missing. And we have an opportunity to tell them about Christ. Now let's go to the second, the the next part of the verse. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. First of all, aren't you glad that there's a second part of verse 16? The world doesn't have this. All they have is the first part. Our outer self is wasting away. That's where the story ends for them as they are at the present time. But we have our inner self is being renewed day by day. In February of 1990, and I realize that that's uh, before some of you were born, my wife Marianne was in the midst of a long series of physical maladies which had come like dominoes, one thing after another, for almost 10 years. 
And as you can imagine, it was pretty discouraging. It was like being in the surf where you get knocked over by a wave and before you can completely get your footing, another wave comes along and knocks you over. And that's what she was experiencing. There was a church roller skating party that uh, we went to one evening. And there, uh, our dear friend Lynn Murphy presented Marianne with a cross stitch that she had made for Marianne to encourage her in her trials. And this is the cross stitch and this is the verse that she put on this cross stitch. Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary trials are awaiting, achieving for us an eternal glory, which goes on to the next verse. But she gave Marianne this cross stitch and uh, in rolled up form, I think, and uh, we took it home. And that night, we had a house fire. And that verse came to mean much more than just, you know, dealing with Marianne's health struggles. For as we looked at the ruins of many things that had been precious to us and were now ashes and, and trash, the verse had made, so spoke truth in such a powerful way that this world, our, our lives here, our outer self is wasting away, but there's something greater going on inside. And God has a purpose for it. And sometimes the wasting away is very gradual. And sometimes that happens in big spurts. But always, day by day, God is at work in his people, helping us, sustaining us, and pouring his life into us. There is another realm besides the one that we can see. There's another life besides the life we share with everyone else in this world. And this other life isn't deteriorating and won't deteriorate. In fact, it is eternal life. It will go on growing. It will go on flourishing for the rest of eternity. Because you see, it's not dependent on us. It's something God is doing. Notice this verse. It's in the passive, not in the active sense. It says, we are being renewed. It doesn't say, we are renewing ourselves. It says, we are being renewed. God is renewing us. The life of Jesus is flowing into the hearts of his people. So though, like the rest, we continue to deteriorate outwardly, inwardly, we are becoming more and more alive if we are in Christ. What a blessed truth. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. By nature, children of wrath. But God, being rich in mercy, 
because of his great love, made us alive together with Christ and raised us up with him. And this process continues. God doesn't just raise us up from spiritual death and then leave us there. You know, like winding up a clock and setting it to, to operate on its own. But he continues to renew us. And I love how the verse says, day by day. He doesn't just come for a visit every once in a while and encourage us and lift us up. Day by day, he is at work within us, helping us, giving us what we need, filling us with the life of his son. When my daughter Michelle was a year and a half old, suddenly, for some reason, her body stopped producing red blood cells. Well, you can't live without red blood cells. And so as her red blood cell count began to go farther down and down and down she was getting closer and closer to death she grew pale and lethargic and we rushed her down to children's hospital and they gave her four blood transfusions and you know the Lord was good in that he caused her body to start working again and and producing red blood cells But during that time, when her body could not produce red blood cells, she, you see, didn't have life in herself. She needed it from outside of herself. And that's the way we are all the time. We don't have life in ourselves. We need it to come from outside. We need it to come from Christ. And the life of Jesus flows in us. This is how we're being renewed day by day in the inner man. In Psalm 46, there's the most precious psalm, which is, uh, I think, written after the great story of Sennacherib and King Hezekiah. And, you know, so he's praising God for the great deliverance And then in the middle of the verse, in the middle of the psalm, he says something very strange. And if you don't know anything about Jerusalem, about geography, it just passed by and you won't even notice. He says in verse 4, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Now, the city of God is Jerusalem. The strange thing is, there is no river that flows into Jerusalem. Jerusalem's on the top of a mountain. And that was one of the reasons why it was so vulnerable in the ancient world. Because uh, someone could surround the city and cut off their access to water. And they would just die of thirst. There wasn't enough in the springs to satisfy the needs of the people of Jerusalem. And yet in the midst of this psalm, it says there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Why did God say, here's where I want you to build this city? In a place where there is no river for them to to have water. Because God said, I'm your river. 
There is a river whose streams may glad the city of our God. It is God who's the river. And that's the way it is for us as believers. The world can't see that. They laugh at that because it, it seems preposterous to them because it's invisible to them. But the fact is there is a river that makes glad the one who is in Christ, all the people of Christ. And he flows into our lives and we are sustained and we do not lose heart. You know, we talk about having a relationship with God. And he is a person and we have a wonderful privilege of having a relationship with God. However, it goes deeper than that. Marianne and I, we have a personal relationship. But her life doesn't flow into me. And my life doesn't flow into her. I don't abide in her and she doesn't abide in me. And I didn't create her life and she doesn't create my life. But the life of the Lord does flow into us. And we do abide in him. And we did create, and he did create this new life in us. And this isn't just figurative language, relational language. This is telling us that there's an invisible life that God has created. And it and he keeps, it's not just that he created it and then it's there. It's a flowing of life. It's day by day. He's pouring it into us. Now that doesn't mean we have no role in this. That we just sit there and he just keeps doing his work. He does give us a role. We don't just sit around waiting for it to happen. He calls us to seek it. This is why Jesus said in John 15, Abide in me as I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So you see that there's, there's a connection between us and the Lord. And life flows in that connection. Flows not both directions. It flows from the, the vine to the branches. It flows from the Lord into us. And so the, the most important thing we can do in life is to maintain that connection and pursue that connection to make sure that that life is flowing into us. If you're going to vacuum this room, the most important thing in getting that job done is that your vacuum cleaner stays plugged into the wall. You can can go to every single inch. You can be meticulous about covering every inch of space. 
You can even learn to generate the sound of a vacuum cleaner with your mouth. If you worked hard on that, I'm sure somebody can make the sound of a vacuum with their mouth. But it doesn't do any good if the vacuum isn't plugged in. And that's the way it is with us in Christ. We're not talking about Christian self-improvement. We're talking about his life and his power flowing into us. We're not talking about seeking a feeling. We're talking about seeking life from the Lord. We're talking about being connected with Jesus so that his life flows into us and then through us. So, what have we learned about what it means to be a Christian? Is it someone who's religious? Someone whose ideas about the world are consistent with traditional Christian beliefs? Someone who loves his neighbor? It's so much more than that. A Christian is a person who has a new supernatural life inside of him that God has put there. An eternal life. And of course, this affects the person's lifestyle and the way he treats others. But before it does that, it affects his identity of who he is. For the Christian knows that he has two selves. He has an outer self and an inner self. And, you know, the, the actual wording of this verse is refers to the outer man. But it's not the word man that means a male. It's the word, the general word for man. The anthropos, where we get anthropology. Just the study of mankind. And here it's telling us that we have an outer man and an inner man. An outer person and an inner person. An outer self and an inner self. The outer self is the one people can see. It's what we have in common with all people. But the inner self is invisible to others. And this is where Christ is at work, pouring his life into us. The outer self needs to keep drinking water to keep hydrating. The inner self drinks the living water. Jesus stood by a well. Referring to the water in the well, he said to a woman in John 4, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. That's what it means to be a Christian. And now we have the great privilege of coming to the table of the Lord. It's not the table of Gainesville Presbyterian Church. It's the table of the Lord. He's the one that told us to do this. And we do it just because he said it. And he is the one who invites us. And if I invite you, it's only on behalf of him that I invite you to come and feed upon Christ. For he gives himself to us. And this sacrament is like 
an object lesson of this truth that we've been talking about today, that we are feeding upon Christ. We do it weekly, but in our hearts, every day we are feeding about Christ and, and seeking for his life to flow into ours so that our lives are not our lives. They're his life in us. Let us pray. You are so good to your people, O Lord. Even when tragedies happen, even when our hearts are breaking, we know that you are good and that in the things, the troubles, the difficulties, the weakness that you allow us to experience, that you are working good in it for us and that as we experience these things, you will also give us the life that we need, the strength that we need, the power that we need, and that you can even make use of us in our weakness, showing forth your power. We thank you, dear Lord, for the sacrament that calls us to come to Jesus and partake of him. Help us now, O Lord, as outwardly we partake of him, to do so inwardly as well. And not just now, but every day. Help us to feed on Christ. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen.